Adam Crowley Show. I mean, I cannot believe the kind of nonsense that I am hearing right now. On ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM and 106.3 FM. You found the Crowley Show, where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Tell your kids, tell your wife, we're doing radio up in here. Important camp note to get to. Jeremy Fowler from ESPN was just running down the middle of the field one and field two wearing nothing but teal shirt and shorts. Uh, He looked ridiculous. I feel like you all needed to know that. Right now, Mark Caboli joins us from The Athletic. Mark, what's going on with Juju Smith-Schuster? He's running the wrong routes now? That's the rumor? Well, he does every once in a while. But I think when healthy, and I think that's a big part of it, I think that knee's been kicking up on him at times. He's been actually good. I really like what he's doing out there. He's showing more you know, want to, ball catching abilities. He's really, really, he's really, really engaged in the diva-like stuff. Always open, always should be throwing the ball. However, on the flip side of that, I think at times Juju's a little wrapped up in like a couple days ago, taking photos during goal line drill, um, being lit with the fans. I think he needs to be concentrating a little bit more. I sound like an old man here, yeah. Well, you sound but, like Mark Madden. That's why I brought this up. Because but he's, he's performing well, but I think he can get easily distracted. And one little distraction, and then all of a sudden you got an interception and a game lost. He tasted the success last year as a rookie, uh, over 900 yards. He winds up with the bike being stolen. He becomes a social media star. It's all the things that kind of put him on the map with Antonio Brown in terms of being a popular stealer. I mean, think about this team. Who's more popular than Antonio? No one. Who's the next most popular? Yeah. Is, yeah. It, is it Juju? Walking down here from the um, dorms up here, and you just take a glance into the crowds, and Juju Smith-Schuster's jersey is right up there, if not the most visible jersey out there amongst the fans. Just seeing him walk into the sideline and people screaming his name, he is probably the most liked. So if some people are trying to get on this bandwagon of not liking him, it's not going to go over well in the public because they only see Juju, the Instagram guy, Juju, the social media, Juju, the Fortnite guy, Juju when the camera's on. Sometimes up here we see some of the stuff when the cameras are off. And I'll tell you one thing. I mean, like it or not, who cares if you didn't like it or not or whatever. He's talked to the media once this year, blown everybody else off. And it had to be in a setting where he was put at a podium, which uh, the last person I saw do that other than Ben Roethlisberger, he might have to go back to, like, 2000. So that's that's our problem. That's our issue. We see some behind the stuff where he might change a little bit. But the regular fans don't see that. They see him catching balls on the sideline and looking pretty good. Ben Roethlisberger is the one that's, you know, looking at Randy Fickner and said, man, the guy's head is not here today. He sat at 10 feet away from me. I saw him run the wrong route. So those things matter. And you think that it is a big deal? You think you it think can it can be? Okay, so do you think it will be, or do you think he'll be fine? Do you think he'll move past this? Do you think he'll still be able? To there, there will be a part of a game one time where he does something he's not supposed to do. It's going to result in a bad play, and the quarterback's going to somehow call him out one way or another. It's, evi- it's inevitable. 
It's going to happen. It's going to cost him a game. Now let's not let's not mix this all up with him not being a very good athlete, a very good wide receiver, and going to have a good year because I think that is definite. But I think what you want to see out of a guy in his second year that's only played about ten games is a guy that uh, you know a little bit hungrier. I won't even say hungrier. I can't even say that. I'll just say the word I've always said, a little more focused at all the time. Mark Caballi joining us here on the Crowley Show. Okay, what are you most excited about? Yeah, I guess that's Philly cheese maybe steak. not the right word, oh. right, uh, about this preseason game. Who are you looking forward to seeing? Who are you actually wanting to put on a preseason game to watch? I, I think everybody's going to want to see Mason Rudolph and see yeah. what he can do, but I don't know how much he's going to play. I would imagine he's going to be a set third, fourth quarter type of guy. Let's see what he can do. Is he the Mason Rudolph that we saw in week one where balls were flying out of the back of his hand and he looked clueless, or, or is it going to be week two where he's going five and six on you know two-minute drills, running for first down, throwing touchdowns, looking That's good. a good sign, though, right? He comes in, he's yes. a little lost or a lot lost, and then he's gotten better as camp moves on. Yes. I mean, you won from Landry Jones. Did we really see him get better as camp Year went on? two and three, he just kept getting worse. You'd see Landry in OTAs, and the ball would be like, end over end rather than spiraling like holy <laughs> mackerel what is wrong with this guy it took him four or five years so rudolph looks like he's on the right path i mean look at josh dobbs last year he never really got much better Mm-mm. so uh but it was definitely a, fir- a rough worst first week where you're saying my goodness is this guy gonna ever be that guy i know it's only one week but it was a bad one week. Well, when you see it happening right in front of you, it's really hard to separate that from what he did in college, what you saw on tape, where he's going to project, because it did look so bad. I think he's going to be really good, though. I do, just having seen how he's progressed. Now, I bet you he kind of stinks on Thursday. I bet you he comes out and eh, might poo in his hand a little bit. But I think as the preseason games move on, if it's anything like camp, I think we would see him. Together. Well, why is he going to poo in his hands? Because he got... You know, well, I just third think, string well, <laughs> that, linebacker. Now, a third string offensive lineman. Now, if he has James Washington by his side, I think he has a pretty good chance of being successful in, in this preseason game. So, should they give him James Washington or I not? I asked him the, that the other day. I asked Mason, I said, is it ever you say, man, I know what I can do to this guy, but maybe I should go somewhere else. He says, no, I mean, you just read your progressions. You feel comfortable with him. He goes, I know I got to get comfortable with the other guys as well, but, I mean, you always go back. I mean, especially when you're in a situation where you're in defending world champs and you're in that building, you're trying to make a good first impression. I'd probably throw the ball to James Washington all the time. That's another guy you really want to see. Yeah. Because he's had two tremendous weeks. Now can he – uh, transfer that over to the game, which it all depends. I mean, there's so many moving parts with bad offensive line to, you know, who he's playing against to who his quarterback is at the time. So let's see. I think the kickoff, too, is going to be interesting. Quadri, that's going to be very interesting. How's he going to fit, though, on this roster? You know what? You know what, Adam? Um, it might be a little bit easier than what you think because of the new rules where there is – a you know 15 yard span in the middle of the field that eight of the players none of the players can pass until he catches the ball there's a whole heck of a lot of space between the goal line and about the 35 40 for a guy that's speedy quick and making people move you know people miss to be able to be productive so while we're thinking it might take the kickoff out of the game 
It actually might give him more opportunities. Oh, I think it is going to give more opportunities. I just don't know if there's still a spot for him on the roster when you could use another rostered player in that spot who could it's still not, take it's advantage. It's not only that. If you're keeping a guy like Quadri Henderson just to return kicks, and who, who's going to go to bat for that? Probably Danny Smith. But guess what that means then? Danny Smith got one less gunner to choose from, right. one less up back, one less uh, guy on kickoff return. So he might be, you know, helping out Peter, but he's, you know, still in for Paul here to help it here. So he has to balance that thing too right now too. And a lot is going to be ter- determined by who they want for the personal protector. I mean, is it going to be a guy who can also play? Like, uh, I don't know if Nate Burhey is the man or Nat, my fault. Maybe if it's Jordan Dangerfield, what are you going to do? Just a guy for four special teams play. So they do keep people for special teams only. So why not it be a guy that maybe can affect the outcome of a game? Mark Caballi joining us here on the Crowley Show. I want to see how James Conner looks in pass protection, look better out here. He's, 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 that in his hands. His hands have been very good. He's catching the football real well, yeah. I want him to see, I want to see him run behind that starting offensive line in that first series. And you would imagine – Maybe Pouncey won't play. Um, I'm imagining, of course, Foster's, but the other three should play a series. I want to see those guys because he hasn't ran too much, at least live stuff in front of those big guys or, or the top guys. It's hard to see what he runs like. I think he's been the best running back they have out there by far. Yes. I want to see him with the ones versus ones with all the ones out there. Jalen Samuels? Man, Tomlin likes him, huh? Which is surprising, although he had a nice Friday Night Lights, didn't he? He went, you know what? Better. He's better because he, he beat, um, who was that? Whoever the cornerback is, Deshaun Phillips like three or four times. You could beat Deshaun Phillips. False, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, so, I mean, he's better. But but you see him, you see Mike Tomlin very engaged in everything that guy's doing. Well, it's everything think, he does yes. is, is he's very good at it except for the blocking aspect. And, it, and it's really through no fault of his own. It's not like he doesn't want to. Yeah. It seems like he does want to. Yeah, I think he, where he would come into play the most is third down conversions and goal line stuff. But you know what? You could be a guy that's going to go out for number, you know, the number one option on the pass, but if you overload one side and all of a sudden you have to stay in and pick up a blitz, you better hope that he can do it. So I don't think they're going to put him out there in situations where it's third and nine and try to, you know, block Khalil Mack or something. Right. I think it's going to be, a, you know, not as big as deal, but he still be able to do it. That's the thing. But where's their spot for him at? I mean, you're going to keep a, you're, you're If you're keeping Bell, you're keeping Connor. You're and you're keeping, keeping Quadra Nicks, Henderson. And if you're keeping Quad, I mean, is he going to be a guy that's going to be able to fit there? But, but just seeing Tomlin's interactions, and he's always around him, always on his case, must, you know, it leads you to believe that he's quite interested in him as well. I mean, how vanilla do you think they'll be in the defense? Uh, are we going to see him with the seven defensive backs out there that we've seen sometimes in practice? The dollar, dollar. I yeah. think so. I think you'll definitely see it on third and long situations. Um, it's just going to be Brian Allen and. I think you'll see the Marcus Allen as the dollar backer, and you'll see guys. I, mean, like, I don't even know. Brian Allen wasn't. Yeah, I think you'll see it because they want to. See, we talk so much about that in April and May about how there's going to be hybrid, this hybrid, that. If you're lucky, there's going to be like four plays a game where they use this, and a lot of it's going to be third and nine, and a lot of it's going to be end of the quarter, end of the, I mean, end of the half type of situation. Okay, well, let's let's focus not so much on that then, but let's focus on situations where they're not going to have both inside linebackers on the field. We've spent a bunch of time talking about that on Steelers Nation Radio. I don't 
ever want to see Vince Williams out there with John Boston. You know, you're going to see it in the quote-unquote base, but I don't even want to see that. You can throw out of the base. It's like we're assuming you can't throw the ball. Exactly. I know they only typically throw the ball 50% teams, a little bit more maybe, on first down, but you can do it if you're seeing – if you see John Vince Williams Bostic out there and John Bostic out there and you split your running back out, you're going you're gonna to torch those let, guys. Let me tell you something about Vince Williams, though. I think he's been extremely solid pass coverage, red zone area, goal line area. He's been all over some of these guys covering them. I mean, they might have made some nice catches. I think in that situation it's fine, but when you get some space here, and I saw John Bostic get beat a handful of times where he's in position, knows what's happening, knows the route, knows it's coming to him, but he just can't keep up. No, he can't. Just can't keep up. So, um, I don't know. I don't think if you're just going to throw seven defense. I think right now the dollar situation is strictly for third and long situations to try to get off the field. I don't think it's anything more than that, that they're going to throw that out there in personnel. I, I don't think you're going to see first and ten and you got four wide receivers, so, so let's go with this. I don't think that's going to happen. Mark Cavalli joining us here on the Crowley Show. Chooks Okafor, Orakafor. Orakafor. Let's just call him Chooks. Chooks. I see Antonio Brown out there. Look at it. Yeah, that's a good sign. Uh, Chooks. He's your swing tackle, right? He's your everything right now. Yikes. I mean, who's your swing inside guy now? B.J. Finney. Wait, I thought he was starting. Matt Filer. Uh, I thought he, he can't play center. Yeah, you have some issues. That's okay, but, so, but if the center gets hurt, you just move ah, yeah. Finney there. And so you, you're don't you do that to me. So you expect Finney to play right guard, left guard, and potentially center on the same game while putting Filer in. Okay, but I understand your point. You don't want a third-round pick who's played football for eight years um, from Western Michigan being relied on as to start as a game. I don't, and he's going to start a game because right. everybody gets hurt. So – that's awful. I mean, that's just that's just not good enough. I mean, he projects, I think, to be a good player. He looks like he looks the part, but I'm that's that's scary. Just uh, Chris Hubbard losing him is a big deal. You know, you're never going to keep him. You're not going to pay let's him. Just, let's just hope. You just, just hope that maybe they need somebody week fourteen and not week two. Yeah, so and where I, he gets a little bit more stuff. I mean, he has the talent, but in offensive line, man, you got to be through a system, and that's the one position in this league that it's almost impossible unless you're a superstar to come in and be good right away you have to you have to be like marquise pouncey and guys like that if not you need to be taught you need to be learned because it doesn't happen the same way in college that it does in pros thank you for learning me mark i learn you okay that just get the hell out that's mark Aboli of the athletic coming up next the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by to be determined it's a crowley show he came here to do three things. Drink beer, talk sports, and drink some more beer. That's what I do. I drink, and I know things. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Important training camp update. Jeremy Fowler just ran across the field wearing a different shirt now than he was wearing before. Any further details can be found on my Twitter account at underscore Adam Crowley. 4129-222874 is the number to call. We got Matt Williamson coming up at the end of the hour, and I've got this question for you, Steelers Nation. It's an odd one, and it's not real. Nothing can change here. But if you had the choice of the Steelers being in the NFC, or staying in the AFC, where they have to deal with the New England Patriots every year, what would you 
rather than do. Of course, the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles are in the NFC, but they're not the Patriots, and you don't have the bugaboo with them. They don't stand in your way every single flipping year. You have to deal with the Saints and the Vikings and a bunch of other good teams as well, but you wouldn't have to deal with the Patriots. Now, I think it's ludicrous. I don't even know why I came up with the question, but I did, and it's my radio show. I can do what I want. My birthday, I can cry if I want to. I don't think you want to be in that conference. I think the Steelers, one of the reasons why it's looked at as a failure over these last couple of years is because the AFC is so flipping wide open. You've got the Patriots, and then I have the Chargers and the Jaguars both placed with question marks behind them because you don't know what they're going to bring to the table. It's the Patriots and the Steelers' conference to lose, and it's always the Patriots' conference to lose, but those are the two teams. That's the number one tier, and the rest... Eh, it's nothing. If the Steelers aren't in the AFC Championship game this year, it's a failure. Now, things can happen if Ben Roethlisberger's leg falls off. Then, yeah, that's not good, and you're not going to be in the AFC Championship game. If Le'Veon Bell gets trapped in a stripper's butt, well, then, okay, you're not going to be in the AFC Championship game. But if all things are equal, and they're healthy, they should be there. That's the bare minimum, as far as I'm concerned this year. Because the AFC is so flippin' weak. And the AFC North is flippin' weak. Now, you're not in the AFC East. You're not going to get six wins right off the shoot. But you should hopefully get two with Cleveland. Although I think that they're going to be tough. And I think that they're going to be very tough at home in week one when they've got everything to play for. You've got Cincinnati. You've got Baltimore. All those teams improve more than the Steelers have improved. But they have not bridged the gap enough. So the Steelers should win the AFC North. And the Steelers should get a bye because who else is going to? New England? Okay, fine. Mark them down for a bye. I guarantee that happens. But are the Chargers? No, they didn't make the playoffs last year. Okay, so are the Jags? Well, they've still got Blake Bortles, and last year they went 10 games. Are they going to be better than that this year? Eh, I don't know. Do you trust Blake? Did he get better? I don't think so. Okay, well, what about in the West? Well, you had you had the Chargers. I already, already brought them up. Th- that's it. There are no legitimate challengers, I don't think, for the AFC crown this year. Now, nobody thought Jacksonville would be that last year. Fine. I get that. Houston, they, they could jump off the page at you. you. They've got Deshaun Watson. They could be a very good football team. They've got T.J. Watt coming back. They could have a really good defense. Fine. I get that. There's going to be a team that comes out of left field. But is there going to be a Super Bowl caliber team, a challenger that comes out of the AFC, other than Pittsburgh and New England? Absolutely not. And if you're in the NFC, it's the total opposite. You've got the Eagles, the Saints, the Vikings, who I think are very good. they got Dalvin Cook coming back, and they got Kirk Cousins at quarterback with a couple of other great player players and wide receivers and Diggs and Thielen. You've got the Falcons, who were in the Super Bowl just two years ago. The Panthers, who were there just handful of years ago, I guess now it's been. It's been a little while. you got the Rams, who came onto the scene last year. you got the 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo. you got the Giants, who bring in Saquon Barkley. Their offensive line should be a little bit better. And they've got all kind of weapons for Eli Manning. And you've got the Seahawks, who on paper aren't good, but they're still the Seahawks. Point being, you've got six, I think, teams that could win the Super Bowl. The Eagles, the Saints, the Vikings, the Falcons, Panthers, and Rams, all in the NFC. In the AFC, it's just the Patriots and the Steelers. So the Steelers, even though they've got to deal with the greatest coach of all time and the greatest quarterback of all time, they still have a fairly wide-open conference 
they've got a very legitimate chance, I think, to go to the Super Bowl. Hey, Tom, what time is it? And now it's time for the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun. Brought to you by To Be Determined. Actually, Tom, hop on Mike here because I've got a question relating to the show that I think you would be very apt at answering. Yeah, for sure. Should I do a football take before going into the great unsponsored football segment, or should I just do it in the great unsponsored football segment? You know, it's a little odd to lead into the segment dedicated to football and how great it is by talking about football. Um, Yeah, maybe we don't do that anymore in the future, okay? Okay, here's what I want you to do then. I want you to take the bet off. I want you to stop it. And I'll give another take, and then we'll go into the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. Sidney Crosby's 31 today. I love him. I love the ass. I love the smile. I love the fact that he's brought in Pittsburgh three championships. He's the greatest athlete ever from Cole Harbor, Nova Scotia, as voted on last week by the Canadian media. What can you say about a guy like Sidney Crosby, other than all the things that I've already said? I think he's going to have a great year this year. TSN thinks he's the second-best center in the world behind Connor McDavid. They're not wrong, but he's number one in my heart. What time is it, Tom? And now it's time for the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun. Brought to you by To Be Determined. Woo! All right, that wasn't even a take. That was more of just me talking about my man crush, Sidney Crosby. But does that Woo! work better, do you think, Tom? That was great. Crosby, okay. he does have a great ass, man. Wow. Oh, my God. I mean, it's fantastic. Top, top butts in all of sports. Go. Sidney Crosby, Sidney Crosby, Sidney Crosby, and Sidney Crosby. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know who else I'd put on that list. That guy can squat a Mack truck. Terrell Suggs has an ass. You know what he does. Is that an odd one to bring up? Like, for whatever no, reason, no, I'm thinking about football asses and sports asses, and Terrell Suggs just pops into my mind. You got no other ones? No, I got nothing. Nothing? Yager had an ass. Still does. With so that 18 year old model he had in his bed. Anyway, it's the great unsponsored football segment brought to you by To Be Determined. Woo! Why is anybody going to watch these preseason games? I mean, I know why I have to. And you know what? I understand why people watch. I don't know why anybody goes and watches. Coming to St. Vincent College is fun. You get to hang out in Latrobe, you go to Sharkies, maybe you head to Dino's, maybe if you're looking for an Italian meal, you go to Geo's. And that's on the side. You come here, you go to the pro shop, you get autographs, you get to hang out in close proximity to the players. But if you go to a preseason game, and you pay full price for tickets, and you pay full prices for beer, and you pay full price for merchandise, and you go and you sit there for four hours as your fifth string left tackle gets run over by their eighth straight defensive tackle, shame on you. Shame on you! Don't do it! This is going to be one of the worst preseason experiences we've ever seen. Because the NFL and the referees are trying to make it known that the lowering the helmet rule is a point of emphasis. We saw six lowering the helmet penalties in one game, the Hall of Fame game, this last week. It's going to happen all around. The National Football League. I can't wait for football. I could not wait for the Hall of Fame game. But if you go and pay full price to watch that, man, you got something wrong with you. You're addicted. You've got a big, big, 
big football problem. Because what the referees are trying to do is they're trying to enforce the rules, and they're trying to get them right so that they know what they're doing. And they're also trying to let the players know that this is what's going to be called, and if we do it strict now, then we're going to hope that there's a cutback in the regular season. So they're practicing. The coaches are also practicing their game day readiness. They're also breaking in new coordinators and new position coaches, and here's how things go, and maybe this game I'll be up in the box, and this game I'll be down on the field. They're practicing. They're trying to figure out their best rotation of players. Players, obviously, are, if you're a starter, you're trying to get your reps in so that you're not rusty when the regular season begins. And if you are a backup or a 45 through 53rd guy on the roster, you're busting your tail to try to remain on the roster. But if I want to watch college football players that don't really belong in the National Football League, then I'm going to watch college football where at least there are stakes, and at least there's tradition, and at least I can get drunk a little bit cheaper, and at least I can tailgate, and at least I can go back and drink in my college bars. Like, that makes sense to me. You want to go to a college game? Absolutely. That's awesome. You want to pay 200 bucks for tickets? I get that, too. I'm a rabid fan. I know a bunch of rabid fans. I get it. I understand. But how rabid do you have to be to go watch preseason football? And how wrong is it of the National Football League to utilize these preseason games as a dress rehearsal for the referees, for the league itself. I don't like that. I don't like the league saying, okay, you're going to pay full price, and we're also going to institute rules that we're going to call more strictly than we're going to do it in the regular season. Shouldn't you be doing it the way that you are doing it in the regular season? Shouldn't you just go by those standards? That makes sense to me. What you're going to do in the regular season, do in the preseason. Duh, you practice it the way you want it to be done. Ben Roethlisberger isn't going to be throwing a bunch of sideways screens this year. Todd Haley's gone. I don't think that that's going to be a huge part of the offense. So he's probably not going to throw 100 of them during the preseason game. You practice what you're going to do. And I don't like the fact that the NFL has pushed this into the preseason and made these games, which are already hard to watch and hard to swallow, even harder to watch and even less palatable. Coming up next, we'll discuss my AFC-NFC question about the Pittsburgh Steelers with Matt Williamson. Uh, He'll probably laugh at me about it, say it's stupid, but the NFC is far deeper than the AFC. And I'm going to ask him what he's looking forward to seeing on Thursday night. There's not much, I don't think. It'll be fun for me. You have to do a post-game, get paid, but that's about it. That's next. It's the Crowley Show. Listeners love Adam Crowley. Just between you and me, I believe you're fat, ugly, dumb, and gutless. Just personal opinion. The Adam Crowley Show. When you're done with your program, we can discuss this out in the parking lot. I mean, you're, you're a tough guy. On ESPN Pittsburgh. Dumb question in the last segment. Would you rather the Steelers be in a stack conference or in the conference with the Patriots and where the Patriots are always beating up on you? I bring in Matt Williamson now to discuss that and more and what's going on here at Steelers training camp and throughout the National Football League. Matt, what's going on? What's up, brother? How you doing? Doing all right. You doing any radio today? A little bit. Me and Dale did three hours, and then we'll do another two hours with them. So let's see a lot of the Lolly character. So five hours plus... 20 minutes now with me. Appreciate nothing, it. Nothing to it. Yeah, just look out over the practice field, check some stuff out. Absolutely. 
I wanted to ask this question of you. We we spent some time last week talking about the AFC and talking about the NFC. Yeah. And since the early 2000s, the Patriots have been the bane of the Steelers' existence. Anytime they run into each other in the regular season or the playoffs when Tom Brady's there, it's usually not going to go the way of the Steelers. So if you're a Steelers fan, would you rather the Steelers be in the AFC where it's wide open except for New England, or would you rather them be in the NFC where it's just a bear? AFC. I mean, without See, question. I, I agree. However, the thing you didn't mention about the AFC, and I think this team's not going to maintain their, quote, dominance, but Jacksonville is not a good matchup for the Steelers either. I mean, that's been pretty clear. Their style of football didn't mesh all that well with these guys. But I do think Jacksonville's not the team that people think they are. But the Big Bad Wolf is obviously in your conference, and it's kind of like Ewing's Knicks or whatever. You know, freaking Jordan's in the conference. You know, I mean, that's, that's not much fun. But it's not like... The Steelers can't hang with them, and one rule change, a difference, and they would have beat them on the last time we saw them. And once you get to the postseason, there is a chance you can avoid them. You know, where the NFC, I mean, to get to the Super Bowl, you're going to have to beat the Vikings, Saints, and Eagles. You know, and that's nasty. I mean, somebody's obviously going to go, but whoever goes is not going to have an easy road. Are the Vikings, Saints, and Eagles all better than New England? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think they're all in the same stratosphere I, I did a power ranks not long ago and i had philly one i had the saints two and i think the patriots were three steelers were like five or six if you tiered them mm -hmm. are they all in the same tier yeah and i think atlanta's and there's only two afc teams would be in tier one for yeah. me and jacksonville would be a tier two or three team uh the chargers i think could be in one but i can't put them there now um two afc teams in the nfc i would go rams packers Packers are scary. Their defense can be really good, too. The Vikes, the Falcons, the Saints, and the Eagles. That's six of them, and that's leaving Carolina off. I mean, that's, yeah. So if we'll do it this way, there's one of six teams, in your opinion, maybe even seven if you do want to put Carolina in there. I don't think they're quite there, but they're more like a Jacksonville level to me. Okay. Six teams, then, that could represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, and you wouldn't be shocked. Right. Whereas in the AFC, would you be surprised if it was somebody other than New England or Pittsburgh? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I would gladly give you the other, what, 10 teams or, or the other 14 teams if I get those two. Right. You would make that bet, right? Oh, no, I'd take the Steelers or New England as well. I, I think that Jacksonville's getting a lot of love this year. They are. And I get it. They talk a lot too and that defense was sexy and what they did in the playoffs i mean they came pretty close to beating the patriots too mm -hmm. that all speaks to a good football team that being said i don't think blake bortles can maintain consistency throughout a 16 game regular season i think because of that they wind up 10 and 6 something like that they got to win three playoff games and it just makes it that much harder on them a, a lot of factors here. I'm going to go on a little bit of a diatribe. I mean, Do it, baby. Their division is harder this year. Looking at it after the season, the Jags had the easiest schedule in the league last year. That's not going to happen. Um, their defense was exceptional. There's no doubt about that. But their run defense was not. Right. Their pass defense was exceptional, and it probably will maintain itself. I don't see any reason it won't, except for the fact their defense – Missed two games, basically, to injury all year. I mean, uh, Telvin Smith missed two games last year, one of which was a meaningless Week 17 game. The rest of their defense didn't face any injuries. 
that's not going to keep up. Good point. And, you know, the offense is fine. I mean, they did add Norwell. They are obviously going through Fournette. But as the as the Broncos found out after the Manning year, it's really difficult in this league to win 13-9 every week, and that's their formula. I mean, you have to – you can't hide your quarterback. And another thing that the Jags did that probably won't keep up was they jumped out to an early lead in a very high percentage of their games. If they're coming from behind, they lose. And people know these things now. Is that the biggest weakness for any potential contending team? Yes. I mean, as you know, the passing game rules the NFL right now, and their pass defense is probably the best in the league, but their passing game on offense is bottom five, six in the league right now, and certainly amongst the, quote, contenders, the worst. I mean, all those teams we just rattled off in the NFC is, you know, they're all way better. How about this stat, by the way? I just tweeted this the other day. I read it somewhere. Of the nine worst run defenses in the league on a yards per carry basis, seven of them went to the went to the postseason. <laughs> and the one that didn't, one of the ones that didn't, and they turned in last in the year was the Chargers, who really should have gone to the postseason if they had any sort of kicker. So eight of nine. Eight of nine really were playoff teams of the worst run defenses in the league on a yards per carry basis. It's crazy. What's I mean, that like, tell you? Passing is all that matters. You know, that's what people don't realize is, you know, everything. That's what the Steeler defense is all about right now is getting guys that can cover. And if you get gouged even on the ground from time to time, it doesn't hurt you as bad as you think. You have to rephrase the way you think of this game. What kills you are those giant chunk plays that the Steelers are giving up. Absolutely. Half of the season through yeah. the passing game. And if you do that in the running game, that's not good either. But And their tackling wasn't great last no, year. No, I mean, definitely it was bad. not. Right. Okay, so if you're talking about the weaknesses for Super Bowl contenders, and we'll mm-hmm. say Jacksonville is a Super Bowl contender, and their biggest weakness is quarterback, and that's number one. Just offensive passing game is their weakness, because I don't love their weapons either. But okay. obviously quarterback is the biggest flaw. When you look at the other possible Super Bowl contenders – what are some of the biggest weaknesses, the biggest question marks that you would say is going to keep some of those teams out? Yeah, and this is sort of cheating because obviously injuries can hurt anyone. Absolutely. But, but the two teams I want to mention are the Rams and the Vikings because I think that especially the Rams, they're an extremely top-heavy team, you know, a star power-based team. And the Vikings are sort of that way as well. And I mention these two teams just because I think that their depth is worse you know, top to bottom than any of the other teams we mentioned. You know, like New England always has depth. The Steelers have a lot of depth on defense, I think, and where those two teams, to me, would have a harder time overcoming an injury or two. And I mentioned, you know, that how, how healthy the Jags were last year on defense. The Rams were the, the luckiest team in the league last year with injuries. The chances of that repeating are slim. Where do you put the Steelers' defense in terms of a hindrance for Super Bowl caliber teams, I mean, is 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 that yeah, up there it's... with the biggest concerns? I mean, you you're seeing them a bunch, and the talent is there. That's not the problem. There's right. pedigree. There's talent. There's a lot of reasons for optimism. I I keep saying I'm not going to believe it till I see it on the field on Sundays in the regular season, but. The way that they finished up the season last year, I think you'd have to include that on the list. Yeah, and, and I could obviously paint a pretty believable picture of how this defense comes together. Burns takes a step forward. Davis takes a step forward. Stephon Tewitt's healthy. He plays yeah, well. right. You know, and the new uh, usage of a lot of defensive backs all clicks. I mean, so I could paint the picture where it's a top 10 defense. 
but I probably in the end of the, in the end is probably a middle of the road defense. And if the tackling's better and the big plays are less allowed, and they maybe cause a turnover or two more than they did, and probably have a handful of uh, less fewer sacks, they probably won't lead the league again in sacks. You know, are Hilton and Williams going to combine for 16 sacks or whatever they had last year? No, I mean that's not going to happen. But maybe you get better pass rush I mean, out of Dupree and Watt, and you know. <laughs> From Hilton and Vince Williams. I mean, that's like James Harrison and Lamar Woodley. <laughs> right. I mean, that's <laughs> not going to happen again. No. Right. You know, and they probably won't lead the league in sacks. But the the fewer big plays allowed, I think, would go a very long way. And maybe taking the ball away a little bit more, which they're highly capable of. Matt Williamson joining us here on the Crowley Show. So my question was a stupid one then. Would, the, would you rather the Steelers be in the NFC or the AFC? No, just because the Patriots are the big bad yeah, wolf. It'd be nice to go away from them. Well, let me ask you this then. The Seven straight years they've been at the championship game. Yeah, well, and, and part of that is the weakness of the AFC, although it wasn't that it weak is. a couple of years ago. And the weakness ago. of their division. Right. I mean, oh, that's which... a gift over the years. I mean, it is. I th- said I did the power ranks. The other three teams in the AFC East were all my bottom five, and the Bills were 32. I mean, it, that's a gift. I mean, no one in the world is not going to pick the Patriots to win their division. Right, and it helps them because then they can stack wins and home field advantage and it's an easier route and all that fun stuff. Well, uh, guaranteed a playoff spot almost, more so right. than any team in the league. Right. Yeah. You look at the AFC North, and it's not good, but it's not that. No, I mean, I think almost everyone will still pick the Steelers, so that argument helps them as well. But without question in my mind, the Ravens, the Bengals, and the Browns all took a bigger step forward this offseason than Pittsburgh did. What scares you about New England? I if, mean, if, the obvious. No, if, if, you, <laughs> if you are a New England supporter, if you're looking at your team and you're saying, okay, we've got Brady, we've got mm-hmm. Belichick, but to me, the roster doesn't look as sexy as No, it, as it doesn't. It you're right. I mean, one Gronk injury and all of a sudden you're swimming upstream and we know that he you know, has a, a history. Brady, I mean, Brady's like Aaron Rodgers, though, more so than any two players in the league, that they're the great deodorant for anything that, you know, the, any problems you have. And, of course, Belichick takes that to a new level. You know, they're always great on special teams, and they don't allow a, bit, a lot of big plays, even though they allow yards. All those things will probably stay the same. But you're right. I mean, their wide receivers are just a bunch of guys. You know, I, I think the offensive line's really good. Um, they don't rush the passer well. That's not going to change, you know. So, they aren't – if if Belichick wasn't there or if they had a Joe average quarterback, they'd be a very average team in my opinion. But they have those two things in Gronk, which are the biggest advantages any team in the leagues have. Um, but I hear you. I mean, they're not overwhelming. They don't have freaks out there. I'll still pick them to go to the Super Bowl in the AFC because that's just – Probably. Way, that's just the way it goes. Kind of uh, what they do. That's They're very good at that, in fact, uh, at the expense of the Steelers a lot of years. Uh, Matt, the Steelers were eight and two last year, one score games. Mm-hmm. Does that scare you at all? Because that a little bit levels off. Now, if you're a good team, yeah, I'm not sure if we talked about this at all. But I mean, the metrics always that's that's a big metric thing. Is right. If you're really strong one way or the other in one score games, history has shown for many many years you're probably going to go back to the mean there. And most teams, if you go over a ten year stretch, are basically 500 in one score games, which makes a lot of sense. However, there are two teams that are a little bit of an outlier, and that's the Steelers and the Patriots. So that year after year, they're better than average in one score. They're the two teams that stand alone, and that's why they win double-digit games every year. I mean, you're not going to blow teams out week after week. you got to win the close ones. 
And having great quarterback play and great coaching and a strong organization and all those things certainly help. We're doing post-game on Thursday. Give me one thing. One thing you're looking for. That's it. Hmm. I keep getting asked that, and I keep coming up with Butkus. I don't know. Um, you know what I'm looking forward to seeing? The rookies are the easy thing. Six but... flags being thrown for lowering the helmet. The helmet. Yeah, I bet there's a lot we'll of that. We'll be there till 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> Probably will be a lot of that. I don't have one thing in, in, in off the top of my head. I mean, I think the rookies are the obvious call. Yeah. I mean, that's, the, that's always the talk of preseason. This year should be no different. I, I will tell you that the team in general – is probably a lot more optimistic about Edmonds than you people out there listening are or know, and that's exciting. I mean, he's going to fly around the field this year. Matt, appreciate the time as always, man. Thanks a lot. You got it, brother. There he goes. That's Matt Williamson coming up next. Joe Musgrove, good. The Pirates, not so much right now, but they're behaving like an actual Major League franchise? What? We'll discuss. It's the Crowley Show.